When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack, and it's Friday. Tonight, we're talking about why Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is banning AP African-American studies and how Donald Trump's reinstated social media accounts could help his 2024 White House comeback. And we have to talk about the controversy surrounding, surrounding five former Memphis police officers and which actress from a Marvel movie is making marvelous history. Get ready for the political and trending highlights of the week. Please welcome my Friday co-host, activist and radio personality, Dominique DePrima is with us today. Hi, Dominique. Yo, Tammy Mack. Political analyst, Ed Sanders on deck. Hi, Ed. Hey, Tammy Mack. Comedian and filmmaker, Alicia Cooper. Hi, Alicia. Hey, Tammy, happy Friday. Happy Friday and contributor for redstate.com, Jeff Charles is with us as well. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Tammy, great to be back. It's good to have you. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis administration has banned schools from teaching an advanced placement African-American studies course because he claims it has a political agenda. DeSantis said that's the wrong side of the line for Florida standards. We believe in teaching kids facts and how to think, but we don't believe they should have an agenda imposed on them. When you try to use black history to shoehorn in queer theory, you are clearly trying to use that for political purposes. Florida Education Secretary Manny Diaz Jr. tweeted, we do not accept woke indoctrination masquerading as education. Wow. All right, thoughts on this. Let's go, Alicia. So all these years they've been teaching these courses and now all of a sudden it's woke. And what does queer anything have to do? He's just grasping at straws, trying to find some reason that makes him sound like he has a legitimate gripe. He obviously knows nothing about what AP courses mean and entail. Most people don't even take AP classes. I took some AP classes in high school, but what they didn't tell us was the benefit to taking these classes is you pay money. And if you pass the exam, you go into college with credits already. So I took like AP English, I took AP chemistry, physics, but I never took the test. The test, they probably they might have been a tad bit pricey, but not over the top pricey. But if I had taken those tests and passed them, I could have gone into my freshman year of college with nine credits already which would have been cheaper than getting nine credits in college. But you have to explain that to people who don't know the benefits of that. And so now he's going to make sure that his students don't go into college with credits already, where students in other states can. You're doing them a, a disservice trying to appear like you have a real grievance when you do not. And I just feel like people don't know what he's doing. He makes it sound good because he's trying to out Trump Trump. But what he's doing makes absolutely no sense. Most kids don't even take an AP course. This is true. I took AP courses, but we never have to pay for them, Alicia. That's interesting. No, Did not pay for the course. You have to pay for the exam. Oh, the, after the course. Oh, the exam to get into to, to get the college credits. Oh. Right. Ed, what are you thinking about this? Well, I mean, look, it, it is. I think it's straight out of the Republican playbook. Right. And you've got someone that is posturing to run for president in Ron DeSantis. And the, the, the surest thing that you'll see out of particularly Southern Republicans is if I can find a way to show the country that I'm hurting African-Americans, it's going to rile their base. This has been, you know, right out of the playbook of the Southern strategy that Nixon employed. And when you start looking at it, what you really start to understand is how callous the Republican Party is towards African-American advancement, whether it's an education, whether it's in economic power, and um, whether it's in, in uh, any topic. If a Republican candidate can just come out and say, I'm against woke this, I'm against black people, it strengthens them with their base. And, and that's just what this is. And it's sad to see, but it's also sad to see how many people are cheering DeSantis along. Jeff, is this a Republican strategy? 
well, yes. I mean, DeSantis knows what he's doing. He's he's uh, positioning himself. And but the thing is uh, that that sometimes course, I don't feel like you're a real Republican, Jeff. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not. I'm actually more yes. libertarian. I think I think you'd be tipping. You'd be tipping on each side. You'd be you, okay. Go ahead. I, I got fire for everybody. But the thing about this, the, the, this of course, is I believe it is going to be taught. The, the, the college board is already retooling it to meet the d- demands of Florida, so it will be taught. Um, but my only issue with it, because I got to look at some of the curricula curriculum, is that it is very much one sided. I would like to see opposing views to foster critical thinking. But what this really boils down to, and what I don't like about the Stop Woke Act is that it applies to uh, to way too many institutions, private institutions. This is where school choice comes into play. If if parents want their children to learn that, then they should have the choice to send their kids to a school that teaches it. And if they don't, they should have the choice to send their kids to a school that doesn't teach it. So I think that's really the, the root issue here. And I know Florida has school choice, but I don't know how much how robust their program is. So this law actually takes away choice, which is why I'm not that crazy about it. I'm not apoplectic about it, but I, I there are some things that I really don't like about it. I hear you say uh, you wish that it would foster thought and anal- analytical thinking a little more, but isn't it more about facts, African-American studies? Sure, it, it is about facts, but there are different viewpoints on it. And when I looked at the curriculum, it had a very left-leaning bias, which I'm actually okay with, but I, I, I would have liked to see opposing views as well so that, they can look, so that kids can look at both sides and make their own choices from there. That's how you foster critical thinking. You, you give various angles so that people can choose which one that they think they align with. Hold on. Uh, what do you see as the left-leaning bias? So there was a lot in there about overthrowing capitalism, the, the benefits of socialism. And again, I'm OK with it, but I would like to also see the counterbalance as well. OK, well, we that was a part of the curriculum, Jeff, the, yes. the, the class curriculum. Yes. OK. But we have had already 200 years of the counterbalance, like the African-American viewpoint or what you're going to call a left leaning viewpoint. That's the that's the part we don't get. That's the part that's not. Uh, part of all of the rest of our schooling, which is actually European studies in disguise. And that's why we need African-American studies, because really black history is American history. It's just that it's conveniently edited out and, and now reworked, like this Florida board is reworking it to fit the right-leaning agenda of Ron DeSantis, I mean, DeSantis, which really, I mean, that's a bias in itself. And not only that, The thing that's really tricky, that's really Machiavellian that he's doing here is by inserting the gay issue, he's trying to divide the black community so that more socially conservative black folks won't rally to the defense of our right to have ethnic studies and black studies by saying, oh, well, this is a queer agenda. Can't even believe that word came out of his mouth. Uh, If he's so anti-woke, shouldn't he be saying homosexual? But that's another conversation for another day. I just feel like he's being really crafty in dividing and conquering. Yeah, he's really prepping for that presidential run. I tell you that. Uh, And he's doing a darn good job at it, apparently. Uh, Do do, do we think he's going to run? Absolutely. Jeff? Of course he is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me tell you, that is a show I am ready for. Trump versus Ron DeSantis. I am so ready for that show. Okay, Tuesday, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy formally removed Representatives Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell uh, from the House Intelligence Committee. Is this uh, simply revenge after Democrats and a handful of Republicans voted to remove Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar? Uh, Gossar from their committees in 2021. Anybody? Ed? Yeah, I mean, uh, clearly, uh, you know, I I think you can try to highlight some issues that Republicans may have with those particular members. But, you know, now that um, Kevin McCarthy is speaker by the narrowest of margins, he's kind of at the whim of the the Matt Gates and the Marjorie Green Taylors and and they're out for blood. They you know, they they want their 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 pound of flesh. Um, And so he's trying to give it to them. This is it's another uh, political stunt. I tell you, uh, the Republicans are very good at it. I have to give them credit for uh, being able to get everything that they want. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene apparently looking for a VP position uh, with President Trump. Uh, Dominique? That ain't going to happen. She can keep dreaming. She's more likely to get a Ronda Satan. I mean, DeSantis, uh, (laughs) my presidential nomination. The thing is, 
you know, it's true that what Ed says is really key is that that so-called Freedom Caucus, this far right wing extremist uh, part of the Republican Party is now in control of the House because they are the puppeteers for Kevin McCarthy. And while we always see shuffling on committees and such, this is very, very um, beyond the pale. And you've got people with no seniority in the Congress and no experience sitting on very important committees. It's dangerous and problematic, and it's going to be a real clown show. Mm, a real circus, you say, Alicia? Yeah, the Republican Party is just going downhill fast. And I just but can't. I'm all, but Alicia, when we say the Republican Party is going downhill fast, we can't separate Republicans from America. So if any party's going downhill, then that means America is going downhill. Oh, yes. So the 77 million people today. voted for Trump. So, yes, a half of America. Uh, yeah, half of the voting population in America is going downhill fast. And Marjorie Taylor Greene, nobody should even take this woman seriously. She tried to say Petri dish and typed peach tree dish. This lady knows nothing. Like, I just cannot believe anybody would make her their VP candidate. And I'm hoping that Trump does, because that would be hilarious. And I can't believe anybody's hitching their wagon to her horse. The lady is clearly mentally deranged. But she and won. She has a constituency that loves her. But that's because this, the part of uh, where she lives is just like her. You know, that little cluster is all crazy. But aren't so, there other parts of America, uh, significant parts of America uh, that are just like her as well? Yeah, there there are. But what I'm what I'm confident in is that the majority of America is totally opposite of what she believes in and what she feels and how crazy she is. The lady is crazy. Even Republicans know this. They don't even yeah. do Republicans know this. Are you down for a Trump Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, ticket? Yes, but not for the reasons you think. I think it's going to be a hugely awesome show. I mean, this whole thing is a, this whole thing is a clown show. So bring on the revenge. Let's see how petty and and and, and crazy our government is. I mean, we, we had it with the Democrats. They removed Marjorie Taylor Greene. Ilhan Omar made an anti-Semitic remarks too. Eric Swalwell banged a Chinese spy. I mean, so it's it's hypocrisy on uh, on the uh, on both sides. And I really can't stand any of these people. So I don't really care if they get removed. But banging that Chinese. Oh, let me remove us uh, from this uh, screen. Let me let me remove us and add a commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. Dominique, Marjorie Taylor Greene, what, what's up? He's both sidesing. That's total bull. Ilhan Omar said some things that some people thought were anti-Semitic, which she apologized for. Marjorie Taylor Greene was part of a conspiracy to overthrow the government. Let's not do that. There's, there's great people on both sides, bull. It's totally a false equivalency, and it's totally retaliatory. The main reason they don't like Ilhan Omar is because she's Muslim. Let's be real. Well, yeah. And a woman and fighting against the powers of, of, of truth and justice that have never been fought for before within Congress. Yeah. And, and screwing a Chinese spy could have gotten us some good intel. There's benefits <laughs> in pillow talk. Yeah, if he was smart enough to get that information, but Swalwell is not a smart person. She probably got information from him. He was hitting that six weeks from Sunday thinking that he was doing something. And now he's getting, he's getting stripped of, of his committee assignments and he deserves it. They all deserve it. All right. After two years of being banned, Facebook and Instagram will reinstate former President Donald Trump's account. This comes off the two-year suspension following the 2021 insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. At the time, platforms, including Facebook, uh, determined that blocking Trump's account outweighed the risk of potential further incitement to violence. What is the likelihood of Trump returning back to both platforms? Elon Musk lifted Twitter's suspension of Trump last year, uh, though the former president has yet to tweet from his account. So wh what does this mean? It means he's under contract to his own company, Truth Social, until June. So he's not allowed to tweet until June. He's already said that. When has he ever followed rules, though, Tom? Well, were there rules, <laughs> his rules that make him money, that's the thing. 
he's under contract to himself until June. And he's already said that as soon as he's out from under that, he's going to be tweeting away and Facebooking away. And I would say the real reason is money. He uses those platforms to raise goo gobs of money from poor, unsuspecting, well-meaning Republican people that don't know what he's up to. And that's what, why he's going to be back on Twitter and uh, on Facebook, because he follows the money. My problem is the media, actually. It's the media that posts and reposts and rehashes all of his tweets. So uh, were there not for all of the media attention that he gets, perhaps his chances would be a little bit lower. But let's face it, the man knows how to bring ratings. And so with the ratings come the popularity and we're all back in high school today. Running for president is nothing more than a popularity contest in 2023, 24. Let's face it, Jeff. Yeah, all I can say is if that contract is true, which I've heard that same thing, Dominique, Twitter's going to get a lot more entertaining after June. And as a, a Twitter junkie, uh, I'm here for it. And honestly, you guys should be happy because if he gets back on Twitter and says a lot of stupid crap that makes people not want to support him in the primaries, Democrats are going to win the White House in 2024 because he's going to sabotage the Republican Party for not getting the nomination. So I, I think it's it's going to be very entertaining. And I'm, I'm here oh, that's it. a good point. I didn't think about that. Yep. You know, if he doesn't get the primary, he definitely. Oh, yeah, we know he comes with guns a blazing when it comes yep. to losing. Yeah. Good point. I'll leave it down to Santos. You said you think he can or cannot? I don't think he can, no. Because mm. DeSantis is like a slicker version of Trump. He's like Trump without the gaffes and bad makeup. So he can do the same dumb stuff, but make it seem normal. And so I don't think that, uh, I don't think that the 45th president can take down DeSantis if he gets the nomination. Uh, and, oh, and, and Ron DeSantis is not as entertaining and he won't uh, he, he won't spew much rhetoric as Trump does either. I don't believe. Uh, go ahead, Alicia. Yeah, well, death scientist gets on my nerves. So either one of them bother me. But with this whole Twitter thing and him coming back, every time I try to tweet, they send me this notice of you might want to reword that or are you sure you want to send this? And I'm responding to somebody who just said something rude to me. So I know they're going to flag him every time he tries to say something. Trump is going to get frustrated and everybody's going to report him, report his tweets, report his tweets. He needs to get put in Twitter jail. So he's just going to be frustrated. He needs to stay over there with True Social because everybody's going to complain as soon as he gets back. He's going to be mad that he can't just tweet unfettered because because they stop every tweet you try to send now. It's like almost being in Twitter jail prior to being in Twitter jail. And it is frustrating. So this is going to be interesting. I'm going to watch it. I'm here for it. And um, yeah, I don't think he's going to benefit this time like he did last time. Really? I, I think you all listen. This is why Trump won the first race, because right. everybody underestimated him. Be careful. Be careful. Yeah. Go ahead, Ed. I mean, look, I, we, you know, even in our comments here, I think we underestimate the number of people in this country that agree with what he says. I mean, we were all shocked when he won the election in 2016. And you kind of wonder, like, how could this country have elected him? We saw this coming. You remember Sarah Palin as a vice presidential nominee. A Marjorie Taylor Greene is not that far away from her base. There is a base of people in this country that 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 think like that. And Trump is sort of that original voice that spoke for them. And so when he gets back on Twitter, you know, I don't know that a DeSantis uh, outdoes him because Trump is the original voice for those guys. And yeah. there's a lot more people than we think there are. And, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think I don't think he'll lose to this to death scientists, but I do think that he'll lose to whoever the Democrat is, because for a lot has happened in four years. He killed off a lot of his base with COVID, calling it a hoax. A lot of his base oh, wow. are elderly and they're going to be gone in four years. And I just don't think that he's going to get it. A lot has changed. You got to remember when he comes back this time, he's a lame duck president. That's a different kind of Trump. You don't want the insurrectionist having a lame duck status where he can do whatever he wants and not have to worry about being reelected. So I think people are going to take all that into consideration. A lame duck, tr duck Trump is a scary Trump. Plus, we're going to have gone through at least a year and a half of these stupid, endless investigations of, you know, of Hunter Biden and, you know, what the one six select committee. And just while Americans are trying to pay their grocery bills and keep the lights on, Republicans will be wasting money on dumb investigations, which is going to make it harder for either DeSatan or uh, Trump to get elected. 
I mean, I mean, DeSantis. I got you. I mean, yeah, I mean. <laughs> San Francisco is in the process of allowing local nonprofits to open supervised drug injection sites, a step that local Democratic leaders say would limit overdoses by drug users. Wow. This uh, the areas also known as overdose prevention sites allow users to bring and use previously obtained drugs such as heroin and fentanyl under the supervision of staff trained to respond in the event of an overdose or other medical emergencies. They also provide counseling and referrals to other social and health services. And opponents, however, are concerned that such sites would promote and normalize drug use and attract crime. Yeah. I actually played a role of a heroin addict who went to one of these sites and, and overdosed. Uh, so I, I understand the, the concept. Can't say that I agree with it, Dominique. Well, you know, this is a slippery slope, but here's the thing. Whatever elected officials are, you know, approving that, you can be sure they're not running for office. Because the, the data do show that when you set up these safe sites, it saves lives. These people are already drug addicted. They're not going to stop because you don't have a safe site. And if they're going to do crime, they're not going to do more crime because there's a safe site. It may be concentrated around that area. But the fact that they're not overdosing and that they do have access to clean uh, paraf drug paraphernalia, it does save lives. It's not politically um, appetizing, though. It's the kind of thing that candidates throw at each other on the campaign trail and which makes people lose elections. However, it does save lives, and I'm here for saving lives. Jeff? You know, I, I don't know too much about these sites, and I understand the concerns behind them, but it's not going to be worse than sending men with guns and badges to throw people in cages for something that they choose to put in their bodies. So if they're able to get counseling, I will. I, I, hopefully these are private organizations doing the counseling because I believe that they would do the job better than the government. But if it doesn't involve using force, using violent physical force to lock people up for, for drugs, then it's better than than what than what than, than what's what, what has gone on in the past it yeah i mean look it, it's it is it is addressing a public health crisis with an open mind um and not imposing a morality choice on how you address a public health crisis and you know in that regard i, I commend them for doing it 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 it, you know, at the very basis for all of us, you know, helping to administer drugs does seem wrong. But in this case, as you laid out at the top, you know, these are folks that are addicted to these drugs and they are going to need those drugs in order to, you know, uh, responsibly come off of them. And so, you know, it is a, a, a thoughtful way to do it. It just smacks in the way of sort of our morality. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack on Fox Soul and the Business of Being Black. Today are the political and trending topics of the week. Listen, this one has been all over the news and today it will probably be even worse as the videotape comes out. Five Memphis police officers have been arrested and charged with murder in the beating death of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols. Um, man. Justin Smith, Emmett Martin III, Desmond Mills Jr., Demetrius Haley, and Tadarius Bean are each facing charges of second-degree murder and aggravated assault. They also face two charges of aggravated kidnapping, two charges of official misconduct, and one charge of official oppression. Two firefighters involved in the traffic stop have also been put on leave. We never really hear of firefighters causing any trouble, right? Uh, the Nichols family's lawyer said Nichols was killed following that, uh, following what was supposed to be a routine traffic stop that turned into a brutal beating reminiscent of the 1991 Rodney King case. Civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump said, when people see this video, it's going to remind them of Rodney King. Tragically, the only difference in many regards is that Tyree didn't survive. 
Memphis police chief also acknowledges that the video's content will likely provoke people to take action, but discourages them from acting violently. The family also discouraged uh, members of the community from violence after viewing the videotape. So what are your thoughts on this news, Alicia? Yeah, this is just absolutely horrendous. I don't think I'm going to watch the video when it comes out. Um, I'll hear about it, but I don't I just that's not going to help my mental health at all. And it's just ridiculous. What I'm glad about is how swiftly they moved on firing these five cops and uh, uh, and arresting them. So they're talking about the swiftest ever, some might say. Yeah, the swiftest ever. And they're talking about other states. You know, uh, they're hoping that people don't riot. And what I'm hoping is that people understand they have been arrested. Please don't don't uh, don't loot and and vandalize. That's not going to help the case. His parents already spoke out. They said that's not what he would have wanted. And what I heard about this from Ben Crump was that he was, you know, yelling out for his mother in his last moments before he lost consciousness. And that's that's the same thing that happened with George, George Floyd. So it feels like when these guys are losing their lives, that's what happens. They start yelling for their mom. They may even, George's mother had already passed. He may have even seen her. We don't know. But that you would think that these guys would hear the humanity in a person's voice. He was already handcuffed. And you would he, you would think that somebody somewhere would say, out of five people, hey, that's enough. Let's stop. You know, you have a duty to intervene. Nobody knew that. I mean, they said that they were six years on the force and less. So they they need a superior on all of these situations because these guys just didn't. They just I'm just so glad that the book will be thrown at them and it will be thrown at them. They're black. So we'll be thrown at them. And this is what they deserve. What we want is for all cases to be handled like this. Ed? Yeah, I mean, look, I think Alicia ended it where where I would pick it up. You know, um, when you when you look at this, I mean, this is, um, you know, for someone like me who has tried to work in the space of police reform, trying to recruit African-Americans to look at it as a career, because I've always thought that the more African-Americans you can get into policing, the better shot we have of changing police culture from within. Obviously, police culture needs to have some external changes, and you've got to have some laws and ramifications that, that, that speed this along. But internally, you need to have Black officers policing our community. And this strikes to the heart of it, because they just they violated every bit of our own community trust those five officers by the way they beat this 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 young man to death um and you know to alicia's point they're going to suffer the ramifications i mean what they're going to see is how the police community throws to cast them aside to your point because they're black um they're not going to enjoy the the protections that you see white officers get it reminds me of that other story on the other you know that of the other officers that were were sleeping with that one deputy all of those black officers got fired but the white officers were suspended so we're going to see these officers punished and punished rightly so um and you know from our perspective as a community member you know they violated every bit of trust we put in them mm, dominique yeah, I mean, those are um, sort of tropes that we hear over and over again. If only we had more black officers, more Latino officers, but the data show that black officers actually kill black folks at a higher rate than white officers and, and Latino mm -hmm. uh, law enforcement seems to be trending the same way. And while it is true that it seems that when there's a problem with a black officer, just like what we saw with the officer, um, the Somali American officer, in Minnesota, if the, per the officer is black, there's much more likely to be swift discipline and serious discipline. And it's true, Alicia, we want that same response for all officers. But I think looking at the individual still takes it away from what really needs to happen, which is federal reform, accountability across the board. In LA, we've already had three LAPD killings and, you know, in the first week of the year, it looks like we're up to five from the sheriff's department. So we're not even out of the first month of the year. And we already have eight people killed by police. The first three of the year, men of color. That is not just individual racism. It is a problem in the system. More training won't fix it because the same training yields different results in different neighborhoods with different 
skin tones. So we need radical reform and reimagining of police department. And we need the purging of white supremacy and white supremacist ideology being carried out by black folks in every single law enforcement agency in this country. What does that look like? It looks like uh, it looks like thorough reviews and background checks like they would do uh, if you wanted to work at a nursery school, for example. Uh, the vetting of social media. It means that if you're part of any organization like a Proud Boys or a KKK or an Oath Keepers, you don't get to be a police officer. Uh, Chief Michael Moore, who many feel should not be reappointed, was on the air yesterday saying that those officers from the LAPD had the right to attend the rally at the Capitol uh, for Trump on January 6th. And as long as they didn't go into the building and try to overthrow the government, that's okay. I beg to differ. You shouldn't be supporting candidates. You should not be flaunting your affiliations. You are supposed to protect and serve everybody. We need to get really serious. No tolerance for white supremacy, racism, and misogyny inside law enforcement. Jeff. You know, to pick up on, on Ed's point, there was a case just like this out of Louisiana that occurred in 2019, and it just came across my, my timeline. Five officers beat a black man to death. Uh, now, these were white officers and a black man. They're just now getting charged. But then you have these five black officers who are getting charged swiftly, like Ed said, rightly so. And I understand that they're, they're different states, but there is a disparity there. I, I mean, there's a culture of this in, in law enforcement where they think that they can basically do whatever they want. That badge entitles them to behave however they want to because they know they won't be held accountable. That is why we need uh, we need officials who will hold officers accountable quickly when they abuse their authority. It happens far too often. That's why qualified immunity needs to go. These officers should not enjoy these protections, especially when when they when they exceed their boundaries. Yeah. Um Moving on to another different set of police issues, a former Colorado police lieutenant claims she was forced to resign after colleagues discovered that she had a secret OnlyFans account. Melissa Williams reportedly received a $30,000 severance package to leave the force. Uh, she joined OnlyFans in May of 2020 as a means of spicing up her sex life with her husband and decompressing from her difficult and dangerous job. She said, my personal sex life was entirely separate and never affected my ability to do my job. I felt like my bosses were policing my bedroom. Uh, was that happening, Ed? <laughs> you know, this is one of those funny stories. I, I mean, let me start it this way. You know, I think, you know, all of us have a sense of morality on some very key publicly funded um, occupations, whether you're a police officer or teacher, we do expect you to have um, some sense of a morality. We just finished talking about the sort of moral code that we want officers to uphold. Um, if this woman were a teacher in front of young uh, students, second and third grade, um, I think there would be even a, a greater outcry. Um, you know, as it comes to it, I don't think you can separate nowadays your social media from your occupation. And we're well, seeing that's that. Sad. You should be able to separate your OnlyFans page from your. OK, <laughs> we'll take a break. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. The Business of Being Black today are this week's political and trending topics. Uh, Dominique, you're a civil rights activist. You're out there doing your thing. If I come across your OnlyFans page, should I not believe in the work that you do? If I have an OnlyFans page, I'm going to want you to pay for it and then come to the rally in the protest. But that's a little different. Than it, it may help. It actually may help your business. Probably would, you know, bring more people to the cause. Right. <laughs> But to Ed's point, it depends on your job. You know, I do think if you're a kindergarten teacher, it's a problem. If you're a cop, it's probably a problem. She said she felt that her bosses were policing her bedroom, but she put her bedroom online. So now you are uh, putting it out there publicly. And, you know, and then you have to take the consequences. We have free speech, but we have to deal with the consequences. Mm, Alicia, what does the contract say? Does her contract say that she cannot have an OnlyFans page? That's all I care about is what does the contract say? Great point. And then, 
her husband, if he didn't have a problem with it, I don't have a problem with it. And thirdly, what is happening? Because these police budgets are so bloated that the lieutenants got a moonlight and throw their twat open at night. Or was she just being greedy? Because I'm sure she made a good living as a lieutenant. I need to find out what her salary was. Because she was listen. I feel like what she did was more morally acceptable than the police officer that slept with the six men in the force. (laughs) But who am I to judge? Well, they're all more morally acceptable than killing people on the force. But the point is, almost every job has professional conduct codes, and if you you know don't read the handbook. And you will lose your job. That's just what it is. If you don't read the handbook, then you'll have to go and uh, work with the handbook. Uh, <laughs> Jeff? By hand. Yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking the same thing Alicia was thinking. Like, like, did she sign a contract that said that she couldn't do this? If that's the case, then she knew what she was getting into. But if that wasn't in the contract, then I honestly, if it's not affecting her job, then I, I really don't see a reason to fire her for that, just for having an OnlyFans. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't affect uh, how good she is at policing. But, I mean, if she knew that going in, then, you know, she she did it anyway. So right. th- that's See, what But I, I even feel like when we talk about teacher, I, like I even feel like teachers should be able to do it because your children should not be able to have access to OnlyFans. Children, we, we, we don't know. We don't know what these kids are using their allowance money. Well, for. you should. You should. Yeah, that, that's yeah, a parenting you should issue. Know. <laughs> like a person with no kids. Precisely. <laughs> but I was once one. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. On a recent interview on the WTF with Mark Marin podcast, Octavia Spencer talked about the racism she encountered when she moved to Los Angeles, which she expected to be completely different from her Montgomery, Alabama upbringing. Um, Octavia Spencer said, my mother definitely, you know, taught us about the world and realities, the harsh realities of the world and history. But growing up in Alabama, I'm going to be honest, I felt more racism when I first moved here than I ever, ever had in Alabama, here meaning Los Angeles. So talk about the racial undertones that black people in Los Angeles deal with that can sometimes be viewed worse than what uh, they would encounter in the South. You know, I'll bite it off. You know, look, in the West, you didn't grow up in really truly like the Jim Crow South, right? And in the West, we've we've had, you know, very particularly a lot of advancements. You can look at uh, a couple zip codes in Los Angeles that that rank as some of the highest African-American medium incomes in the in the country. Um, so African-Americans have done well in California and we moved through California with the confidence of that. Um, and it runs in the face of, of, of you know, racist and, and folks that don't like seeing you do well. Um, and so if you come from Alabama, you do get a little tinge of it. You know, it, it, it comes it comes in, in different forms. But but I can understand how someone from Alabama would feel that coming this way. Yeah. Well, I'm, like I, Alabama. I'm from San Francisco and I felt it when I came to Southern California. I call it a city of exits. Everyone stays with their own exit. You know, the Latinos over here, the Armenians over there, the Thai people over there. And it's a different kind of racism. It's like this constant shade and drain and. You just can't get through that door. But, you know, Southern California is part of the South. Don't don't miss the South in Southern California. Well, I thought that was Southern in regards to Northern California, not in regards to Texas. Half the people here are from Mississippi. Yeah, I kind of think that the reason you feel more in, in Los Angeles and on the West Coast is because you don't expect it at all when you're coming from the South. And so if you're not expecting it at all and you get here, you're like, wait a minute, hold on. Okay, they don't have affirmative action here. Oh, oh, okay. Um, So I I think it just kinda, it's like a culture shock because you're thinking you're walking into this, the, you know, the the Oz, the land of Oz, and then you find out it's a land of smoke and, you know, brimstone and fire and somebody a man behind the curtain is controlling everything jeff yeah i mean i have a similar experience i'm originally from from la but i've been here in texas for a a little over a decade and i I experienced more in in california than i have here now i was in california for much longer than i was here so maybe i will but i mean i'm not i'm not surprised i mean there's there's issues in every single state in in this union i mean there's going to be racist in every state. So it, I wasn't shocked to hear it. I mean, they, they had that issue with the Los Angeles city council members. So it, it's really, it's really not a shock. I mean, there's, there's ignorant people everywhere. 
Yeah. And systems and ignorant systems everywhere. That too. That part. Yeah. Angela Bassett is making history as the first Marvel actor to be nominated for an Academy Award. Go, Angela. Bassett is up for Best Supporting Actress for her role as Ramonda, the queen mother in Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Now, look, I'm a huge fan of what's love got to do with it. She should have won an Oscar for that. She was nominated, but she did not win. Uh, th- this, do you think she's going to walk away with it, Alicia? Um, I don't know. Some stiff competition in these categories. And I just feel like when it comes to like Avatar and Black Panther and those kinds of sci-fi adventure, I think they need their own category. You know, because I'm looking at the the other people in the category and I'm like, so you're putting, uh, you know, Brendan Fraser in the whale up against Avatar. Like, I just felt like they should have their own category. But I'm hoping that Angela Bassett wins. I saw it and I thought she did an amazing job. And like you said, she should have won already as a great work as she's been doing. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm rooting for her. But I just feel like there's a lot of competition in her category. Yeah, I, I honestly I think they nominated her because Gerard Carmichael got on stage and was like, "If Angela Bassett don't win, I'm done." I mean, <laughs> so I think they like they were shuffling papers, going, "Hold on, we got to let Angela win a few things." And by the way, let's nominate her for an Oscar. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, mean I, I think that performance was outstanding, right? I mean, what what Coogler did with with Black after two was was nothing short of amazing um you know angela bassett's role if i think back to a couple of those scenes particularly where you know she is speaking to those united nations countries and and talking about how she knows what they're doing you know the juxtaposition about how you deal with this colonial powers in the world that her role was perfect and she played it to, to perfection at every point um you know i'm with everyone else yeah this was the the performance of the year for me but the question is, because black people do this all the time, they get mad when a black person lose. But have you seen the other movies in in the category? No, of course not. But I mean, I, I'm <laughs> okay, <guessing. there> <laughs> <laughs> you know, the fact that nobody wants to see those other movies in the in the category right, is also an indication of maybe perhaps we need to look at what the public likes when we figure out. Uh, it's not the People's Choice Awards. I get that, but there should be some relevance to whether or not anyone wants to see the movie. I mean, if Twelve people see the movie, but you win all the awards. Is that a win? Love to see her win. I think she's like maybe the only black person nominated this year, and she's a yeah, fan. yeah. And I think there are two others: Ruth Carter and uh, Rihanna and Tim's. Right, Ruth Carter for costumes, right? In Rihanna. Yeah, and yeah. and 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 and, and Rihanna and Tim's for "Lift Me Up," yeah. which was also a movie, a, a song in Wakanda Forever. Jeff. Yeah, well, I have a confession to make, guys. I, I haven't seen Wakanda Forever yet. I know I'm horrible. I will be seeing it, I promise. I saw the first movie, I loved it. But Angela Bassett has had an amazing career. She's an amazing amazing, amazing actress. So I'm sure that she, she gave a performance that, that deserves it. So hopefully she does win. Amazing, yes, amazing. There are so many um, performances by, from Angela Bassett that we could uh, say she deserves an Oscar nomination for. She definitely deserved a win for playing Tina Turner and What's Love Got to Do With It. Of course, the Woman King uh, just out and out got snubbed. Absolutely no nominations for Viola Davis um, or Gina Prince Bythewood. So that's sad. We'll be right back. Last month, Blackish creator Kenya Barris received criticism following the release of the trailer for his latest project, You People. The film follows an interracial couple played by uh, Jonah Hill and Lauren London as they navigate the complexities of love and family. Now, during a recent interview, Sway in the Morning, uh, Kenya Barris talked about the criticism and how many feel he has a fixation on sharing stories that shine a light on interracial couples and families. Kenya Barris ran down his resume, that would be resume, uh, to remind his naysayers of the many projects that he has worked on. It's Shaft. It's coming to America. It's the game. It's girlfriends and it's girls trip. Literally, I'll go head to head. He said, I'll do a versus 
for who's black in terms of who's put out black films. I feel like my career has been dedicated to us. Are we as black people many times our own worst enemy? Because we oftentimes talk about how we need representation and we need films about us. But then when somebody like Kenya Barris puts out you know, more than one or two uh, little ditties about uh, interracial relationships. Black folk get mad at it. But did we really get mad or were we just kind of kidding around with him? Was it all about jokes? I think he should have played along with the joke. Alicia? Yeah, I, I don't know how serious people are about it. And, yeah. you know, I know he does a lot of ish, you know, blackish, grownish. <laughs> I thought that I heard the um, critique band that everybody had to be biracial looking. I thought that was the critique I read. But um, yeah, I mean, you can't please all the people all of the time. And just to get some of this stuff on the air is is momentous because I, it's so hard to sell a show. So what this man is doing is he is providing jobs. He's providing work. I don't know about who's working behind the scenes, but in front of the camera, we see African-Americans working. So I don't know why that would be a bad thing. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't take it as, you know, really like a serious, heartfelt criticism of him. I mean, it's it's, it's something to talk about. But I, I think in any film, I think sometimes people look at it and if you don't see yourself in it, um, you might level a criticism. But I, look, I think his work is, is fantastic. I can't wait to sit up and watch this film. I think it's going to be I think Eddie Murphy is going to be hilarious. Yeah, we all want to see Eddie Murphy. And we really, really we want to see Neil Long, too. We want to see her. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff. Well, I mean, you, I was going to say something else, but you mentioned Nia Long. Why, why, why are people hating on this guy? You put Nia Long in a film. I'm, I'm on board with you. You can do all the movies and shows about interracial couples that you want. If Nia Long is in it, I'm, I'm there. I'm good. Like it's we don't need a purity test here. I mean, if if he's promoting representation, then let's take the representation. Let's take the representation. Exactly. That's how I feel. We want to be represented. But then when we're represented, we got a problem with the way we represent it. He has a different story that he can share and bring to the table that doesn't belong to white people. It is his story. Uh, uh, Dominique. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's a masterful producer and writer. And he does have a long list of accomplishments, but you can't blame people for looking to your smash hits and your most recent productivity. He's telling a lot of his own story and he does seem to have a lot of uh, light-skinned people. That's not just about being overly critical. That's about the fact that there is shadism and colorism in our country and nationally, it's an offspring of white supremacy in which permeates the beauty industry and Hollywood and everywhere else. And so being made aware of it so that we can look at, you know, being balanced and giving those opportunities to people throughout the color spectrum and the culture spectrum and the class spectrum is important. Does that all fall on Kenya Barris? No, but you know, that's, that's the smoke you gotta take if you're a writer and a producer who is one of the few that is successfully getting our stories in front of the camera consistently. Well, the sad part about it too, though, is that um, when we tell our stories, uh, like Tyler Perry gets a lot of uh, crap for doing the same stories, right? And then when he does something different, we're like, mm, yeah, well, I didn't like that wasn't Tyler Perry. So we kind of become addicted to the same music that a person puts out. And when they flip the script and they want to do rock soul instead of R&B like Fantasia, we don't, we, you know, we won't support that. Or when somebody wants to, is a comedian and they want to be dramatic and, and, and you put them in a dramatic movie and we don't support that, we kind of pigeonhole our people. And so this is interesting because uh, we pigeonhole them, but at the same time, dog them out because they're doing the same thing. Hell, black people don't know what they want. We don't know. I mean, but that's not just black people. When you have a brand, people expect you to stick to it. I mean, if you're Band-Aid and you suddenly start selling lollipops, people are going to be confused. Oh, like the new Coke, right? Like the new Coke. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, the new Coke came out with the new Coke. And people were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Bring the old Coke back. So they had to call the old Coke classic Coke. Okay, got it. <laughs> Duly noted. A jury has awarded an Oregonian woman $1 million in damages after finding she was discriminated against by a gas station employee who told her, I don't serve black people. 
63-year-old Rose Wakefield stopped to fill up a Jackson's food store in Beaverton uh, two years ago. She noticed the attendant ignoring her, and after confronting him, he responded, I'll get to you when I feel like it. When she got a chance to ask the powers that be uh, what his attitude was about, he said it was because she was black. Instead of cussing them out, she took them to court and walked away with $1 million. Shouldn't we do more of that? (laughs) Really, don't serve me. I'll take the money. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't serve me. Please, please tell me I'm black. So yeah, I, I want to know where that gas station is. I want to cash in too, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Call me whatever name you want. Give me that million dollars. I'm good. And she didn't do a civil claim. I'm sure she could have filed a civil lawsuit and got goo gobs. You know, she filed a lawsuit, got all that million dollars. That's lovely. And- Look, all I can think about is that Dave Chappelle skit, right, with the with the blind racist. You know, in Oregon, I, I, I have this image of like the Ku Klux Klan walking through Oregon years ago and how prevalent they are. And, you know, that this woman ran into it. I thought she handled it right away. You know, go press the suit. And and this guy must have said it in court, right? Like, I, I haven't seen the, the documents, but he probably <laughs> right. just He must have said it in court. How on earth did she win this lawsuit? I'll never right. know. Because uh, there is no videotape. Alicia? Yeah, and that's sad to hear because about 10 years ago, I did a tour in the Pacific Northwest and I went through Oregon and the people were so nice to me there. I obviously, it wasn't Beaverton. But if I was her, I would take that million dollars and buy that gas station. Ooh, there you go, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this was the right outcome. And again, like like Ed said, I don't know how she won if there was no video of it. But hey, I mean, you play stupid games. This is what happens. Yeah, you get gorgeous prizes. Go ahead, Dominique. Yeah, that's a lot of free gas. <laughs> she go buy her Tesla with that. And never worry about the gas station again. Right. Uh, well, that's another controversy. Tesla now, well, yeah. of course, discrimination case. But the point is that many times we just get mad and we just get internalize our anger instead of taking it to court. And I look, I, I think she did the right thing. We she did the right thing, that. Spike Lee. First of all, I want to thank you, Ed Sanders, Alicia Cooper, Dominique, Jeff Charles, for always being my Friday co-host. And I want to give you this opportunity to share uh, what projects you're working on. We've got about one minute. So Dominique, what you got going on? Please go to KBLA1580.com. I do morning drive radio weekdays from uh, six to nine. And I hope to see you there. Ed. Hey, I am working on issues that impact water in the Western United States and big topics for us. So, but thank you, Tammy, for having us on. Jeff. Hey, you can check out my podcast at a, a Fresh Perspective with Jeff Charles, and you can hit me up on Twitter at Jeff on the right. All right, Miss Alicia, you got to reel us in. What you got coming up? I'm still doing my comedy shows. I'll be at the Comedy Store tonight at 8 p.m. I'm at the Cleveland Improv, February 9th through the 12th. I just came back from doing the Capital Jazz Cruise. It was awesome. And I'm going to be on the Tom Joyner Cruise in May. So if you haven't gotten your tickets, get it. It's going to be fabulous. I heard Stevie Wonder's going to be on that cruise this year. Stevie Wonder will be on the cruise. I've got to get on that cruise. Thank you all for your commitment to business of being Black. And thank you so very much for your fresh perspectives always. Jeff, that was a nod to you. You. That's business of being black. <laughs>